0: Welcome, No Labels and No Limits Podcast Listeners. This is Sarah Box, your host, and I'm really happy to share with you today's guest, Tony Snellgrove. Now, before I tell you a little bit about her background, let me say that I met Tony online. We were not dating, no. We were in a shared community. Actually, we still are a shared learning community. And where people come together to learn some skills specific to coaching and the business of coaching. But we come from very different countries, but there was something about Tony and her introduction and how she showed up that I thought I need to get to know this gal. So I reached out to her and we had a fabulous conversation just on the fly one day when the internet was funky, but we still could connect. And I've asked her to come back and talk to all of you today because what she shared with me on our little offline conversation really kind of lit me up about how to think about things differently and maybe how a change of scenery really changes all of our life. So with that as a little bit of a Just an intro about Tony. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her her background. She is the founder and principal of Snellgrove and Associates. And for nearly two decades now, she's helped executive and managers lead happy and influential lives by design rather than by default. And she does that through assisting people to proudly take command of what they can control with both me and we in mind. And the we for Tony is very intentional. It comes from um, conversational intelligence. So those of you who are in the know in that field may recognize that language. I will ask her to talk a little bit more about it. A couple of years ago, though, she took a sabbatical. And um, I'm going to ask her to talk about that as well because that is the piece. When she said she came back from that, it really... Helped kind of connect the dots for her and, and shift how she works. So, Tony, with that as a little introduction, tell folks a little bit more about yourself and where you are joining us from today. Okay.
1: A little bit about myself. Um, have been had been a registered psychologist by background for thirty odd years, and prior to me going overseas, I decided to hang up that piece. And no longer be one, and that was quite big for me in terms of identity, so I just stayed with becoming with being a credential coach uh, i'm um, I'm phoning in from Auckland New Zealand, and uh, my business is based uh,
0: in Auckland so we explain a little bit about conversational intelligence and how that informs some of the work that you do today mm-hmm. that's a pretty big question
1: and I'll do <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, What it is really is a domain of knowledge created by Judith E. Glazer. And uh, I was very fortunate to be uh, the 2017 cohort. It was pretty much its second year. And it's very much about co creating a better future with others, with transparency, with really. Uh, importance of relationships understanding a, a, a view of mutual success and rather than transactional or positional it's very much about transformational conversations and you can have those at any time you don't have to force it and that's what really makes life very very satisfying so it's entirely changed my practice because I realized that I can introduce those and do introduce those concepts into my coaching conversations with some really great results where people have very high ownership for what they're about to to do. And they've we've co-created it, but they're certainly the master of it.
0: So when you talk about co-creation in that sense, is it you and your client or can it could your client be a team that you are helping them co-create mm. together yes
1: it's it's all of the above conversational intelligence is, is very it's very broad and so i've used it uh, one on ones where i co-create with the individual coachee i'm very privileged at the moment to have worked with a, a performing a high performing team that wants to get even better senior team over the last year, meeting monthly, and I'm very transparent because that's one of the philosophies, very transparent about what the tools and techniques are and why they work because it's based on neuroscience. And so, for example, uh, rather than forcing people to check in and disclose all, it's very much a softer introduction with ways of working that you pre-agree. And for example, let's get into pairs now with people that you know. So this. This team is one of, um, they're, they're a membership of nine. Get, get into pairs and just talk about something that has been a real win for you, a real success of late. Because we're very tempted to talk about what's not going wrong, what's not going right. And so uh, what we focus on grows, and that's neuroscience talking now. <clears throat> so you can use these tools in a myriad of situations, Sarah, individually team and even and even public workshop very very powerful
0: well and it that's such an interesting observation because you're right it is much quicker for folks to default myself included to like when someone says <laughs> how's it going and i can tell you the yeah. things that i didn't quite hit the mark on today mm. but it i have to pause and think that was a win that was a win and that was a yeah. win because yeah. it is kind of a default so that just even that softer introduction is very, um, could be very moving of a group or of an individual.
1: Oh, it is. And it really helps people become very authentic, very present. And the other day I coupled it with a, a simple breathing meditation exercise. And a year ago, they would have probably balked at that because their their discipline is engineering and very typically black and white but it was accepted and accepted very well and that's through a building trust over time but i do get initially quite a lot of flack about what we focus on grows and let's not talk about the bad stuff let's just talk about the good stuff that that pollyanna attitude oh nothing's nothing's bad in the world it's not that it says neurologically when we're focusing on our success and our conditions for success that's what grows in terms of the neurotransmitters and the connections in our head so we're much more likely to return to that success place and we can launch and co-create further success from there it's based on neuroscience it's not based on sort of a a Pollyanna attitude to life
0: and isn't it true that the more I think in that way I start to rewire kind of my default thinking
1: that's exactly right Sarah and what fires together at the time My association of success with a particular presentation I gave and what made it so powerful, for example, what fires together, wires together, so that my fear of presentation becomes far less because I'm based, I remember very clearly my success pivots. But if we don't reflect on our success, it'll just be a a future grind full of potentially landmines.
0: Boy, that's powerful, and that means there's hope for anybody who ever really never wanted to give a presentation. <laughs> like yes, I don't want to, but but to, you know, you get a success from it. it's like I can do another one.
1: Yes, exactly. And uh, I remember um, having been there myself. And in those days, we used. Are you familiar with the term overhead projector? And, ac- <laughs> oh, and I, acetate, I those clear, the clear acetate with the black markers. Yes. <laughs> Very yeah, attractive. I, do. Very and I remember I, I dropped some and then oh. I was on my knees picking them up and my boss happened to be there and he said, Snellers, you've got to get better at this. <laughs> I think you should go to Toastmasters. And I stayed for 20 years and I learned a whole heap. I learned the structure and now I'm playing in my own space where I've created my own success pathway. So presentation skills are actually quite a common fear amongst very senior executives. Because the problem is, oh, this is all about me. No, it's not. It's all about your audience. Focus on your audience. What do they
0: want? Well, that would be fun to do a whole conversation on that (laughs) alone. So I may come back to you for that. But I would like to shift the conversation now to what you shared with me about your sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And like the months before you or the moments before you actually made that leap, share with us kind of like the before. You left, and then that going, and what first? Why did you go? And what was the what was the impetus for it? Mm.
1: It was really a a long term dream I had in New Zealand. Still today, when you're probably about eighteen or twenty, you've done your degree, the overseas experience, the OE we call it, and it's a way of rounding us off as human beings I never really did that in any kind of consolidated form it was a month here a month there and then I met Dave and did my thing with Pricewaterhouse and Fletcher Challenge two big employers and then set up my own coaching business etc and had been doing that for you know 15 years and and I Dave said why don't we just go overseas You've been with this partnership for a a good couple of years. It's not as rewarding as it used to be. Now's an opportunity. Gosh, we're mentally healthy. We're mentally, uh, we're physically fit. We've got some cash reserves. I mean, why not just do it? And you could say, well, gosh, we're potentially near retirement. You should be saving your money. Well, you don't know when you're gonna die. You know, if we did, then it'd be a whole lot easier in terms of, of our financial planning. So it was a long-term dream that I'd had, and the biggest fear, actually, were after I d- decided with Dave, you know what, this is the right, this feels like the right thing to do, the biggest fear for me was telling my family, I'm the middle child of six. In those days, last year, my, my, one of my sisters unexpectedly died, but in those days, I was one of six, kind of middle child, if you will, and um, I was quite um intrepidation of what their responses would be because we're all very different and and my elder sister who has now died um, her initial response was oh what well what about me and that that kind of says it all really in my family I'm I am quite a leader just sort of a low key natural leader in trying to inject some calm and 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 Fun into our family. Dave and I don't have children by choice. I've got nephews and nieces. So this was a long-term dream and it really, we saw an opportunity and then we went for it. And after that decision was made, we then said, okay, well, what are we fit for purpose plan? That's what I've really learned from this. I'm a planner by nature. I like structure, but you know what? Some things you can't plan for. So it was a fit for purpose plan. How long, well, what's the budget? How long we can do a salubrious trip and make it two months or we can do something that's a little bit more modest and make it up to two years? And then what country would we visit first? What are the, the context is, what are the countries whereby it's harder to get in and they want you out as soon as possible? So China was the first on our list of going there and we didn't have a closed ticket. In terms of our overall journey, we just had an open ticket, but we certainly, by by visa standards in China, you have to identify when you're leaving. <laughs> so China was the first, and then we did Southeast Asia, and then we did our Europe trip by combi van, a retrofitted van. So I think you know, in some ways, I was reflecting deeply. Some ways, it's the now we've made the decision, and we've done the, we've got the plan, and we've. Uh, you know, um, put some of our assets in hold, and we've um, arranged an alternative mail, and and so on. It's oh right now we're going to be together for one to two years, totally together. <laughs> How are we going to get on? <laughs> and so it was navigating that space that you can't really plan for. So that was really interesting. So there was there was you know the the build up to the decision, then the pragmatics, and then. Now what do we do? We're together, and how do we navigate day-to-day and have a happy life together?
0: So let let me back up, because both of you have careers. You both are professionals. So you aren't spending every minute in your normal, (laughs) quote-unquote, normal lives. You have space apart, right? Yeah. And what's interesting about what you're sharing is I think the same thing. Like my husband and I have talked about doing this long road trip, and there's a part of me That I'm thinking, my work's totally location independent. Oh, my God, can Mm. I spend that much time together where I can't (laughs) be gone? (laughs) Yeah. So how did you, it's kind of like you have the decision and the planning, all the excitement Mm. of that and figuring out the logistics and then the reality. So how did you, how did you approach that?
1: Well, me being quite a structured person, I said to Dave that what I would be really appreciative of is creating some time when I had some me time, irrespective of what country, what place we were in. And so because I'm a a real fan of walking, then that's what I did. That was my hour or two hours away from Van, away from Dave sounds awful but it's you know and coming back really fresh and gosh I've learned some things I've I've said hello in Portuguese and now I know the local market and da 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 you know it provided quite a feast of of information and and sharing and fun so yes I created a structure which of course I said to Dave what do you think and he said yeah of course you know you love walking I'm not so keen and then he would just do what he wants to do which is get on the iPad and uh, listen to to movies and and songs and so on not that I don't like doing at but I certainly like fresh air and a bit of sunshine and just getting to know and getting a sense of what the what the locals do around here. And that's obviously with a view to are there any risks in, in in this area? What do I need to know here? And if I feel a bit unsure, then don't do it. Use your intuition. Let's move forward in the van and go to another place where it's a little bit calmer or I feel better about Going for a
0: walk. So you apply it into the right context,
1: right? USS USS. Yes. I think context is everything. And and scanning for danger, which is the first thing that we're geared for, but we let that implode our lives, I think. But once scanned for danger, calming yourself and going, Oh, this is cool, right. The important thing is I actually look confident and know what I'm talking about and actually move forward with a face that looks welcoming rather than, oh, Gosh, rather off-putting. As my mother would say, a face like a slapped bottom. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Look welcoming, you know, and you'll get you'll get connected. You'll get friends rather than self-pity and and face that just looks awful.
0: <laughs> so, what it sounds like you two very easily came to kind of like your own flow for having that happen. So, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of you like a team yeah. of two, a team of two. Yeah. Um, but you talked earlier about like your oldest sister. I can't imagine yeah. she was the only one in the family who had a little bit of angst when their anchor decided mm. to unanchor, yeah. untether, yeah. and be gone. And you didn't even have a determined determined return date, correct? No, that's right. And and that was hard for Denise. Gosh,
1: well, there's a difference between one and two years. Can you know? Have you got any benchmark? And I said, what I will do, love, is I will because she did. She's not. She wasn't into Kent. Internet connected. What I will do is I'm going to be sending cards, and I'll give you phone calls and so on. And I honoured that, and you know that was that was something. Uh, but certainly she, um, yeah, I mean she obviously survived that time. Um, And, you know, there were uh, my other um, brothers and sisters, largely they said, oh, good on you. But gosh, you know, it's quite a big terror alert now. There's quite a few red dots around the world. What are you going to do in that regard? And so they were just genuinely concerned for our safety. And um, so, yeah, each response was was quite different. But certainly Denise was um, the most affected. And, yeah, I I used to send her cards and and, in packing up her stuff, um, after she died, uh, she'd kept them all. And so I've got them back, which is really lovely because I dated them and where we were. And yeah. Oh, that's good precious. Chronology. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and understandable, she is the oldest, right? So there's that. Yeah. Uh, I think second, all the.
1: Second to oldest. Yeah. yeah so oldest, she's got the,
0: the kind of the concern of the ducklings mm-hmm. thing, too. Yes. So. You talked about when we were having a different conversation about how this really changed how when you came back, right? So the mm. the Tony that left was one Tony, obviously brave, planning, pragmatic, adventurous. Mm. But how did that you change your approach to work when you came back? Or your mm. own day-to-day?
1: Mm. I think my approach with clients changed as well. I became and I, I have become, I think, just a lot more in tune and connected with people. And that's what the conversational intelligence stuff does. It says, you know, to thine own self be true. Get connected with self first and then really reach out and, and just relax and, and be compassionate. Uh this this really we, we get into a high level of judging very quickly because we're decision makers, we're paid to make decisions and therefore we're very judgmental. It's can we just move forward and have a sort of a co creative conversation rather than one that's divide and, and rule. So my approach with clients I think you can say it it, it softened and it became more holistic and the conversational intelligence tools are holistic. They concern the whole person, you know, because there's different kinds of brains. There's the heart brain and the gut brain, you know, and we've got the primitive brain. You know, there's, there's lots of brains that we've got. And so queuing into those and coaching with the whole person, it's a more gentler approach which flies in the face of some of the webinars i've been listening to recently which is right you've got 30 minutes and as a coach you've got to deliver x y and z because that's the expectation of the coachee so it flies in the face of that and that means that my niche is not of those people it's more those people who are in it for the long haul have an approach to learning and development and bettering self which is a long burn rather than a quick fix
0: it is a long burn, isn't it?
1: Hmm, that's my personal perspective. But I know uh, who thriving, thriving uh, fellow coaches, who that's what they do. Half-hour segments, they sit in about seven of those a day, and it's very much about right. What do you work on today? What can I? What value can I add? How do we frame the conversation? What tools, techniques? Let's go for it.
0: Tony, do you feel that's driven um, by the type of person who is seeking the coaching or is that a construct that's applied to everybody?
1: I think in conversational intelligence language, I think it's actually a bit of both, Sarah. I think there is definitely a personality style that just wants it now or yesterday, please. And there's also a movement that says, We need to be more efficient, more effective, faster, better as coaches.
0: Are those incongruent with each other?
1: Not necessarily. I just know that my niche tends to be more of a slow burn uh, where there's deep, deep accountability for what the coachee is about to act on. Post our coaching session, and then the check-ins that say, "How's it going today?" Really, you know, how's it going? And it could be the text. So, my coaching is, if if it's uh, honoured by the coachee, just more regular contact, sound bites, being able to check in, "How's it going today?" Rather than just the, "Oh, it's only session, session by session contact." It's yeah. Style, I
0: think. Mm. No, I'm interested in in that whole. And when I said it is a slow burn, I didn't I mean that in a positive way because as each Mm. time you start thinking about something, you evolve. And then for me anyway, I evolve and then I come and I look at the same problem and it looks different to me or I'm in a different Mm. place or whatever. So you know, that's so the way you're approaching it where you're actually doing a different kind of check in allows for that person to evolve Mm. and be who they really are in that in that moment or in that phase of wherever they are and what they're trying to do or learn or accomplish mm, for the individual. Um, <laughs> that's what you said, I think. That's why I'm testing why I was <laughs> testing what I was hearing back with you. So this has changed. Are you have another trip planned or are you going to stay put it's, for a bit? Mm, well, what we've decided is we need to have the
1: regular look forward to. So in March, there's about four weeks where we're heading off to New York, New York again. And then later on uh, next year, we're going to be, um, so that's March of next year. And then later on, we'll be heading off to Japan. We've been there many times because it's the home of judo, where, um, you know, basically my husband is a judo referee was an Olympic-level referee, but now because he's formally retired, he just does the local uh, tournaments. And so Japan is uh, second home to him because that's where he trained as a, as a wow. judoka, as a player. Uh, so going there and probably, if we're brave enough, 2021 we'll go to India. But we're not, we're not quite brave enough to do that in 2020. <laughs> so it's really important to have
0: those, I think, periodic look forward tos. I like the way you said like that. Look forward to. That's such a positive mm. frame, you know. Instead of mm. we're planning, which is active, but it's so it's not as upbeat for me. I'm calling my plans look forward tos now. <laughs> when someone says, "What's normal, I'm say, I can tell you what I'm looking forward to. Mm. But I if those I are not. Nice, pa- pardon? Mm? It evolves? Did you say? It no, they're like it. It impels me like to even just change my language like that uh, which makes yes. me think about your whole conversational intelligent and like that's exactly right and yes and
1: and judith says you know language creates worlds and i know that other pundits say that too and it really does matter and one of the things that i've been encouraging quite actively uh through language monitoring uh, one of the one of the team members of that high-performing team i mentioned is Let's use green language rather than red language. Green language is language of possibility. And what can we make of this? And how can we make that happen? Great idea. How, how can we take that a step further rather than the red stop language that says, oh, gosh, no, I don't agree with that. We tried that years ago and that didn't work. It's about the co-creation, about what's possible.
0: And I think you, I can imagine, I can remember, and it's not that long ago, being in two, both of those environments, you know, close mm. enough together that you could compare the feel and how people left them. You know, did mm. they leave energized? Like, all right, this feels great. Even though it might be um, a challenge to accomplish, there is that sense mm. that we can versus, oh mm. my God, this is going to be another eight weeks of pain and suffering. Mm. <laughs> but And we need to do this together. I mean, it's just a slight difference in how things are worded and conveyed I think. oh it
1: really it really does matter the wording and the conveying of it and often with pain and suffering we get a feeling of isolation and psychologically that's very very harmful for us we're the only one that's suffering this rather than hang on this is a challenge and we can co-create and move forward on this we are not alone in this and that's huge in terms of mental health as well
0: so do you coach only one-on-one or do you do group? I know you talked about working with this team for the past year, mm. but but when you think about just coaching, do you do you have a preference?
1: I love a variety. And currently I've certainly got that variety of uh, one-on-one as well as um, high-performing teams. Mm. It's really different. And as Tammy Turner, one of the gurus within the coaching fraternity say, With a team coach, you're actually coaching them to be better as a team and you're coaching the team as a concept rather than coaching the individuals. And you've got to take into account, and so do they, who are the key stakeholders, which are often the board or the CEO. So entirely different kind
0: of mandate. It is. uh, Yeah, I like the variety. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good distinction. because. It is a different mandate of why are you coaching in the first place versus yeah, a one-on-one piece. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Something you said made me want to ask you a question, um, which I've it's come up. I'm actually looking at. I have a big old whiteboard that I write things for me to remember on. Not about things mm. to do. Nothing to do gets up there. It's like headspace kinds of things to remember. Oh. But one of the books I was listening to talked about this and it was goes back to like the thinking piece and the question is what am I actually focusing on right now you mm. know because of the whole link with that and then the meanings that get tied to what I'm focusing on and um, how I feel about that so in your experience is there a a chicken egg thing you know like does the the thought proceed the feeling precede the um, emotion or mm. Well, technically speaking, we
1: have an emotion which is unconscious. We can't control. We have a thought and then we have a feeling. That's what it's meant to be. And so that kind of strong guttural thing, that's really an emotion. And then it's, well, what do we make of that? Is it necessarily always fear or is it just a strong feeling that you do need to act on this with calm? rather than panic. So I think technically speaking you can say that we have emotions followed by thoughts followed by feelings.
0: Okay, I'm going to leave it on that because that that I think <laughs> but that's a good package. You know, I mean a good picture rather of of seeing the connection and if mm. and the more Speaking personally and then just through experience, the more I'm aware of my emotions, I can distinguish between them um, and whether or not they're feelings or th- thoughts rather than just pushing mm. everything into one space. Yes. And, you nice. Know, saying, mm. oh, I'm, that's anger. That may not be anger. That may be something else, but it's only familiar to me as anger or only familiar yeah. to me as nerves or nice to see. whatever.
1: Yeah. And the that thing about um, your thinking, uh, you know, pundits that I listen to like Muji and uh, Eckhart Tolle, we've got a very active mind. It's full of thoughts. Yeah. And then we we tend to believe them. We become our prisoner for our own thoughts. Oh, I thought that. Therefore, it must be true. And by the way, I have to convince you that it's true. Well, that's a hiding to nothing, and that leads to a very much a a uh, a, a, a um, transactional kind of conversation rather than, oh, yeah, I know that I have a bit of a tendency to have a bit of a bias here, and I'm thinking this doesn't mean to say that I am this. It's very, very hugely different between my thinking and my being, and don't believe
0: what you think basically. (laughs) Okay, that's a tweetable moment. If I were a good tweeter, I would tweet it. I am not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, Tony, let me ask you, is there something in particular that you want um, our audience to know or find out that something you're doing that they could go and look at or read for you, from you?
1: Mm -hmm. Well I've I've recommitted to blogging every couple of months and I've I've done those blogs quite carefully. So just having a look online, ww.snellgrove.co.nz and having a look at my blogs. Uh, having a look at the conversational intelligence material. It's quite accessible. There's lots of YouTube videos about it through uh, Judith E. Glazer. She, she talks very compellingly about its power and I've got lots of case studies too. So getting interested because I really believe that, that is a, that's such a refreshing way forward. What is our common, this is another phrase, what is our common ground here rather than what are our differences? And that does not de- deny diversity, but my belief, and I know Judith says, is, is we begin with inclusion followed by diversity. So I would say, just have a look, at the last couple of blogs of my website and 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 get an understanding of the conversational intelligence uh, literature too
0: we will put links to your website to your blog and to um, mm. the conversational intelligence yeah. Judith Judithy e. Glazer's kind of like landing of that information people can nice. poke, people can poke around and find more from there mm. um, and I want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast. So, listeners, you may know I'm in the western part of the U.S. on Pacific Time. Tony's in New Zealand; she's a day ahead of us. Um, which, <laughs> which scheduling this was kind of a little mind blowing for me. It's like, will it be two a.m. for me or Tony? And who's <laughs> willing to get up that early? Neither. So we found a we found something that worked. But um, yeah. anyway, it's it's been a pleasure speaking with you and. I will see you, as they say, on the webs in our learning community.
1: Mm, coming up very soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: right around the corner.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Sarah. Thanks for listening and also being so articulate with uh, rounding off some of my more random phrases.
0: <laughs> I don't think they're random, but my pleasure. <laughs> so thanks so much and we okay. will be in touch later. Well, that's it. For this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a No Labels, No Limits, and No Excuses life.